This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. podcast. A snapshot in time rarely defines the hard edges of anything that is captured. You can never see growth, change, success, or failure within that singular millisecond that the shutter closes. A photograph is purely a memory of a time gone by. Our lives are judged in much the same way as a photograph. Interacting with somebody at the right or wrong second in time can burn an image that is either favorable or unfavorable, never allowing for change or redemption. Sometimes it's better to remember people the way they were, and other times it's enlightening to see them evolve. We never stay the same, and often that snapshot in your head is a false representation of the person you have become. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and welcome to The Suffering Podcast. If you're a fan of overcoming adversity and overcoming suffering, then we're for you, because that's what we do here, and that's the stories we highlight. So do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, please comment, ring the bell to get notified of all of our new content, and now you can join. Don't forget to follow us on all social media so you can find out what we're up to. And tonight's extremely special guest... (laughs) Coming all the way from the ATL. The ATL. Yeah. <laughs> Flew in last night. His arms are tired. And that's <laughs> just in case. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm it's an honor to be here and I'm excited. We talk some shit and laugh and you can <laughs> figure me out, you know? We had a lot of fun before it even started. We I should, know, we right? just recorded that we would have been out already. <laughs> it's really gonna be a great show. Before we get into any, anything, let's give a big shout out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody as police, but we do trust Toyota of Hackensack. So if you're looking for a car, you know where to go. Go to toyotahackensack.com and let them find you a car. So, Justin, every week we take a question from our audience. This question comes from a person named Glizzo underscore money. Says, nice. What is something? I might be saying that wrong, just so you know. What <laughs> is, is it Lizzo? It could be. It could be G Lizzo. It could yeah, be V Lizzo. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. What is something outside of your current skill set? that you always wanted to master. Now, you're an amazing photographer. I've seen your work. You have an eye for this stuff. You know exactly what you want, how you want it, and how to get it. But is there anything outside of photography that maybe you always just wanted to do? Yeah, it's funny. When I got out of rehab, I wanted to become like an addiction therapist. So I recently got actually accepted into Georgia State University so I could do like addiction therapy on the side. Because I, I, lo- I love, yeah, I love talking to crackheads and shit. I mean, it's fun, you know. You <laughs> You're talking and, to two right here. That's what I mean. So I was like, you, why? makes you look smarter. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, why not? I could just sit down and talk and have fun and laugh and you know try to help them out, you know, because a lot of people are scared to get help. How many times you you imitate Tyrone Biggums? I have no idea. That's the Chappelle. I, went, I yeah. smoked some crack. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what you about you? You ever suck dick for crack? <laughs> <laughs> there was that one time in college, but it was experimentation. <laughs> there's, there's two things I always wanted to do. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be a stuntman. Nice. I just loved, you know, because I was with the kid on the bike throwing myself all. I, I always wanted to be a stuntman. So you yeah. had two toys growing up. You had an evil Knievel. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And did you ever have that stuntman set? You set it up and you put the stuntman on top. You knock him over. He breaks through the table. Yeah, and and the cars that crash and the doors fly off and yep. all that. Yep. I had all of that. And the other thing, I always want to be a musician. I would love to be playing in a band or something like. But I am the least musically inclined person you ever know. But that would be pretty cool because you could like tour the whole world yeah. and like check out every city. Listen, I got I got friends in bands. You know, we had we had Derek in here. They're, From- they tour the world. Yeah. Yeah, and it just looks like, and I watch the videos all the time. It looks like so much fun. I was on mm-hmm. tour with them for a while. I've been backstage, and 
It just looks like so much fun. And we all were all drug addicts, too, so I mean, what a better profession to have, you know? <laughs> 30 years ago, that looked like fun. Now, it looks exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, the, the funny thing is, when when these when the bands that I used to work for first started, you know, hot-looking women all over, now the only good-looking women are like the guy's daughters, and like, keep your eyes off my daughters, you idiot. <laughs> so, Derek's a guitarist in Overkill, thrash yeah. metal band, and he said this line, I'll never forget this as long as I live, what well, has 10,000 hands and two tits? An overkill audience. It's all dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for me, and I, I think I've said this once or twice, I always wanted to learn how to play the piano. I just love the sound of the piano. I love the idea of sitting down there and having free reign to make and create any type of music that you want. So years ago, I, I taught myself how to type. All right. I can, I used to be able to type like 180 words a minute. My grandmother was a government secretary and she sort of worked with me. And so I figured if I can teach myself how to type, I got to be able to teach myself how to play the piano. Right. right. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> they don't translate. And it, it, there is no cross promotion on that one. Yeah. You cannot, but you know, I can pick up certain chords and stuff like this. I can pick up sounds and stuff, but I don't, I just could never grasp like some people just sit and I'm so jealous of them because some people sit down at a piano or a musical instrument and they can just do it. Mm. What like, about those people that play like six or seven different instruments? They could play a guitar, a bass, a piano, a clarinet, a trombone. You know, it's like I had a guy at the hotel last night. I seen him three times pass by with a guitar in his hand. We talked for like 15 minutes. He's trying to show me how to play strings. I said, I don't know how the fuck you do that. He said, you got any kids? I say, no. He said, well, you kind of learn how to play the piano that way. <laughs> you know, I've been going down this weird YouTube Beatles rabbit hole. And every yeah. once in a while, I'll do that. And I'm watching them during their recording sessions. And, and Ringo's, they're, they're, Ringo's working through Octopus's Garden. And he gets on the piano and he starts playing. I'm like, dude, you're a fucking drummer. Like, what, how, how yeah. are you doing this? Or he'll get on the guitar and he'll just play a couple chords or something like this. And I understand that it's three or four chords for most songs. I get that. I understand that. But. Their their ability for timing and and how to do it it's 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 I marvel at it I, yeah. I'm very I'm very I'm in awe of all their of their talents in the same way I'm in awe of your talent because you have an eye to look at something and see exactly what you want and you yeah. can get it so, you know it's funny you said that walking through a hotel seeing a guy with a guitar what I used to do when I was younger I bought a guitar case <laughs> I used to walk through a hotel lobby and people thought I was a musician <laughs> they'd walk right out the back door and go home That's would they funny. throw you some money in the hat. <laughs> That's funny. You talking about an idol. That's that's what a lot of people love about me on the red carpet, like the celebrities. Because I don't get them shots, but it's like straight on. I like getting them shots, but they to the side, they laughing or smiling. I like them weird, you know, I'm corny. I like the corny angles. But it's it's the a candid. different angle. Yeah. yeah. The candid stuff. Yeah, there you go. Candid. So, you know, I, I can understand that a lot because... Uh, like I, I do all the all of our social media clips here. And you can do a lot of the stuff with AI now. Yeah. But... I've tried it. It just, it doesn't have, to me, it doesn't have a soul. Yeah. Okay. So nowadays with photography, you can take a regular picture and I've done it. It, you can put it on somebody's face and make it look somewhat good, but it, it doesn't, it's like soulless. Yeah. Uh, when you put your hard work into it, or if I put my work into a social media clip, like, you know, it's a just in case photograph, you know, it's, it's a suffering podcast real. Yeah. Cause it's got that, we soul. got that signature to it. Yeah. It's got that little soul where, Oh yeah, that's, that's from him. So mm -hmm. that's the important thing. So Glizzo, thank you so much for sending that in. Keep sending in your questions and we will try to get them I like on that here. too. That's a good question. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It's, a, it's one I think we could talk about for most no, of the show. No, that was fun though. Cause yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't ask me that, you know, they just see photographers. So 
Yeah, but you're so much more to you than just a photographer. Yeah, but wait till I'm an addiction therapist. I'm going to send you some videos if I can. I'll be laughing. I'm going to be sitting in front of you one day. Yeah, I don't care. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, so that's very common Yeah, uh, to reach out. If you've gone through some troubles, some trials, to reach out to people who are a little further behind you on the road. Yeah. And try to give them a hand up because it's a really benevolent thing. But I have seen people the other way who have taken, 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 taken. Yeah. And they never give it back. But see, I, when I was married, my ex-wife, I know I'm, I said not talk about it, but she used to get so mad at me because I always talked about cocaine and Adderall. Why do you do that? Aren't you you embarrassing me and blah, 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 blah. I said, but that's how I'm getting over the addiction. I fucking get, you know, get on the Internet and I sit there and say how I feel. And I mean, it's got me, what, five years clean? Because I keep talking about it. I don't mind talking about it. Well, you have to get it out. We've, yeah. we've learned that. You have to get it out. The longer you keep it inside, you run away from the prairie fire, Mike. Hey, well, Kevin, I just wanted to. Oh, uh, you're such a dickhead. <laughs> As Clark would say to you, you rat, rat bastard. <laughs> right. <laughs> so where'd you grow up? I grew up pretty much in Atlanta. Okay. You grew up in Atlanta. Yeah. In Atlanta proper. But you, yeah. you'd spend time everywhere, right? You, you're a New Jersey boy. Yeah. My dad, my dad's from Jersey. I spent a lot of summers up here, you know. I actually lived in Jersey in Tom's River with my Aunt Lauren and Uncle Jersey, Mike. Jersey Shore. Oh my guy, God, though. it was so fun. Like, I, you know, I was telling him before we started, like, the backyard was right here. You could jump on a boat dock and you could see, the, you know, the tower to Seaside yeah. Heights. So we go, we take the boat and go over there and get smashed. <laughs> so you're right <laughs> by the bridge. Yeah, yeah, but the whole thing was we don't want to take the bridge because there's always the, you know, the, the, the prick sitting on the one side and the asshole sitting on the other side waiting for someone like us to come by. So we just took the boat. <laughs> it's safer to swim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, Cops don't like to swim in uniform. So Justin and I were talking and his father lived for a short time in Short Hills. Yeah. And how long he moved out when he was 16. So how long has he been out? Yeah, he moved out to Utah. Yeah, but how long has he been out of Short Hills? Oh, God, forever. Boy, that's a bad investment. They've, been, right in there. Atlanta. Yeah, they've been in Atlanta for like almost 30 years. Because Short, Short Hills, Hills now yeah. is probably a different place than when he was there. When we came up, we always do like a summer trip every three, four years. It's my dad, my uncle, and my cousin. Yeah. We always come up to Jersey and we went up there and drove around Short Hills. And I mean, these houses look like the size of Walmarts. And I, if you owned a park bench in Short Hills 30 years ago, you'd be probably worth there. $4 million. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you can't <laughs> live there. They, they priced everybody out. So, yeah. you, you know, some towns, as they become more and more wealthy, you still have your aborigines that have been there since the beginning of time. Yeah. But Short Hills, I don't think, has any of them left because the smallest piece parcel of property is worth just, just the dirt's worth seven hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, but every time I hear about Jersey, let's go to Jersey. I get excited. I just love Jersey. I don't like all the snow out there right now. <laughs> you got that it was right. like eleven degrees this morning. I'm outside smoking a cigarette, you know. And then I came back out like two, three hours later, and it was twenty three, and it felt like it's springtime. Which is you, I weird. Told, I told you before, though, that's a reason to quit smoke, smoking when you're from Jersey. I got to quit Because you don't go outside. You can't smoke indoors anymore. No. So you got to go outside to smoke. Yeah. You know, you you got shrinkage. <laughs> yeah. So you got to go back inside because you don't want to stay outside too long. So the, the greatest thing about smoking, if anybody ever waited tables when they were young, in their younger years, you always fought for the smoking section because- yeah. Smokers and they, the smokers get a bad rap today. It used to be really cool. Now it's no longer cool. Mm. But smokers are calmer people. They always tipped better. They didn't. They didn't break your balls. So we always fought for the smoking section. Now you can't even sit down and have a cup of coffee and a cigarette anymore yeah. in the in in any diner or anything. And that was like a staple in New Jersey. So yeah, that's a it's a shame. But so your your life has uh, growing up good good household. You know, very tell, good. tell me about a little bit about how you grew up. It's very good, you know. Um, my dad was a lawyer for the longest time. 
we take trips to Scotland or, you know, then we get done playing golf. We like drive down to England. We had a lot of fun. My parents is like super cool. They supported me all. They still support me to this day. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just good childhood. You know, my sister, we have fun, laughed. I never was like any bad at the house. Can say it was just you and your sister? Yeah. So what was your, what was your career? Like if you were a little kid today sitting in front of us, what do you think that your dream was as a little kid? To be? I wanted to be a pilot that walked down the middle of the airplane and like had a guitar and like sang to my yeah. grandma sitting in the back. <laughs> like airplane? That was like, yeah, that's like my dream. Like I always want to be a pilot and like go and like have a guitar and like start singing to grandma on the back. Swing the guitar <laughs> and pulling the IV out of people's arms. I know, like right. We watched the airplane the other night, my niece and nephew, and they never laughed so hard in their life. Especially in that one part where the plane's crashing and the girl comes by at the boobs and she just like this. My, my nephew was like... <laughs> I don't that think is he, such a classic movie. I love though. it. I don't think you can make that movie anymore. No. No, especially the guys talking jive. Yeah. That alone. Oh, that was so and funny. And then the old lady goes Barbara over. Billingsley. It's Mrs. Cleaver. <laughs> yeah, but remember she walked up and she's like, I got it. I speak jive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's one of those movies that stood the test of time. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, that, that that's as funny as it was. I think it came out in 76. It's uh, Leslie Nielsen yeah. stole the show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, these people got to get to a hospital. Really? What is it? It's yeah. a big building it's a big with building. lots of, lots of beds. But my, that's not my important. Favorite but that's part. not important right now. Yeah. 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 But my favorite part is when, <laughs> when he, they's trying to land, remember at the last minute, and Austin, the lights go off. And then you look over and the guy goes, just kidding. And he sticks the plug back in. <laughs> or what do you say? I, I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Yeah. Oh, that was a- <laughs> It's just one of those classic movies that they just can't do anymore. Because you know why? Part of it is because nobody can laugh anymore. Yeah. Ted, Ted Stryker. Yeah. Nobody. Yes. Stryker. Stryker. Nobody can ever laugh anymore. And that's, that's, uh, sometimes I'm called very unpolitically correct because yeah. I just tell how it is. And it's not done to be mean. It's, you know, it's done because that's how I was raised. That's right? how we were brought up. Yeah. We were brought up. We, we watched All in the Family. Yep. You know, we watched all those shows where, Funny was funny. If you thought Archie Bunker was, if you thought that show was a, about racism, it was. But if you thought he was a racist, you missed. You missed the. You missed point, the concept. You missed the concept of the show. The show was breaking down those barriers and showing yeah. how ridiculous it was. And Carol O'Connor played a, a played an excellent role. So what, after you grew up, sports, college, music. What was your What was your forte? I like music. You like music? What kind? I, I like sports too, but I mean, I played basketball. I wasn't the best, you know? <laughs> I gave up. My dad tried to put me in baseball. I didn't think it was fun having a baseball get hit of me, you know, 100 miles an hour coming my direction. Like, am I going to get fucking hit in the head and fall over? So what do you think it is about, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you got into music probably around 14, 16, somewhere in that area. Yeah. There. What do you think? Because my son is real into music now. Like he's got to have music on when he's in the shower. And and I see a lot of kids like that. They're yeah. all, they all have the beats on and stuff like this. What do you think it is about that age where it ties kids into music? You know, do you ever think I about know, that? It's peaceful. Yeah, maybe. It's kind of an escape. You know, you go listen to some music and just vibe out, chill in the yard, have like, fun. You know, Kevin, you were talking about playing a piano before. Did you ever go to like a a restaurant where they have a piano player. Yeah, I love he it. Just sits there and it's just so relaxing and so yep. peaceful, and until your bill comes. And it, yeah, but it's classical <laughs> music. You know that 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 it's almost like background noise. Yeah, it's just it's it's classical music. You don't have to listen to it. There's no words. It's just you're just enjoying the moment. But see, when I first started listening to music, it's a cassette player. Oh, so yeah. if you like the song, you're like, hey, this is a badass song. You had to go. And I remember the first CD player came out. I was in band, right? 
you hit you hit a bump and for like 30 seconds it just sat there and skipped yeah. and then it would come back in and we're all like yeah I like this song yeah, but that, was, that was your generation's scratching yeah, yeah. Right? but you guys used to have 8 tracks my, I, I could, was just gonna say my father had 8 tracks yeah. I can tell you the first cassette see I had 45s I remember yep. I used to get 45s I can tell you my first cassette tape though it was Def Leppard's Pyromania that was the first cassette tape I ever, and it was two-arm Def Leppard. So Def Leppard, you break up into two categories, one-arm and two-arm. One-arm sucks, two-arm was pretty cool. I actually bought turntables in high school. Me and my friend Jeremy Avalon, after school, used to go down there and make beats on the little keyboard. we get on the turntables and mix it. You know, we had a good time. And now he's actually like a, a pretty big DJ up there in New York City. Really? Right around the nice. corner, Jeremy Avalon. He's well, super dope. Vinyl's making a comeback. Yeah. yeah. It sounds it different. Is. You know, I always did like the sound of, of vinyl. They got a shop in Atlanta down the street from the house. It's called Vinyl Shop. And the place is always busy. Except when you got the scratch on it. Yeah. And the thing kept clicking. We, yeah. They used to tell you to put a quarter on top of the needle and it would go through the scratches. <laughs> is, that, is, what, is that what? I never, I never heard oh, that yeah, one. Yeah. And then it hit the it hit, hit the scratch and a quarter would fall off and a quarter would screw screw up the needle and you had to go buy a new needle. For <laughs> so I got, I got a rare antique. I have my great-grandmother's Victrola. I was going to say nice. Victrola was it's the old one. It's a standing Victrola. It's a 78 record, which is a thicker cut of vinyl. The needles are metal. I have all the needles. The thing still works. It's, it's 120 years old. Yeah. Thing still works, still plays. Sounds like shit, but, you know, and, and you remember, like, music's the old, really not my style. The old RCA logo was the dog sitting next to the thing with yeah. the, 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 the big horn that came yeah. out. It was a yeah. dog listening to music. <laughs> so you, at some point, your life takes a turn. Yeah. What, what predicated that turn? I don't know. I had a car wreck when I was probably 21. Had a couple of drinks, driving home. I did stop to get a 40 ounce, so when I got home, I could drink more, so I stuffed it under the seat. And I was coming up over this hill, and out of nowhere, this guy just runs out and jump on my hood and killed himself. I'm really? like, yeah, my mom's like, after that, like, you've never been the same. So the guy committed suicide. Yeah, but it turned out that he had, like, terminally ill cancer. He was in a big fight with his wife at the bar, and he's like, I'm going to just jump on the next car's hood, and... I, I guess I was the lucky fuck. You have to be. I was just going to say, you're the poor person who happened to be driving by at that point. Right. There and are, I remember I tried to turn the wheel and he'd come this way and I tried to go the other way and he'd go that and I was just like, fuck. So, I mean, sometimes I'm driving on the road. You could ask my friend Becca. We're driving on the road and I just, because I could just see his yeah. face coming through the windshield. You know, there, there had been several times in my darkest days when that was a thought. Like, hey, listen, I just go out on Route 80. Yeah. Just Jump. walk in front of a tractor trailer. That's what stopped me because it's so suicide is a very selfish act to yeah. begin with, but suicide, when you do it where it, you don't want to affect most people who really want to do it, they don't want to affect anybody. That's why they'll go out in the woods or they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll try to stay away Some from people. Quiet. When somebody's in that mindset, they don't care by that person changing your life forever. And, and I'm sure he, that, that person didn't mean to change your life forever, but yeah. unfortunately they did. You know, you, you, Sucks. you take somebody's life like that. It, you know, I, I understand it was an accident, but geez. Yeah, but that's it, my mom it, say, like, you just never been the same. I, I never really felt any effects from it. I was going to say, he took his life yeah. and ruined your life all on the same day. Yeah, but I mean, I really never like sat around and thought about it, you know, and nothing like that. I mean, I just but, had the flashbacks of his face coming through. I was going to say, show. but it was in the back of your mind because that's why yeah. you're getting the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. So subconsciously, you kept thinking about that. Yeah, and I, I work on my, you know, therapist, Mike Baker, and we did different things. Like if I wake up and have a bad dream, like put my hand in ice water or take like, you know, a spray that's real soothing. Like I like the beach. So I spray something that smells like the beach and kind of bring me back down. 
and it works. I mean, putting your hand in ice water—that's one I never heard. Yeah, because you wake up in the middle of the night and you're all like, and you stick your hand in ice water, and it kind of shocks you, like, and it just kind of gets off your head. It's kind of like I guess it's like an ice bath where it restarts your electrical system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Huh? I never, I never heard of that, but it sounds, it's, it's sound. I mean, I'm a big believer in ice baths. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check by the end, by the end of the night to see how good he's doing when he's pulling out of the parking lot. I'll run right in front of his car. (laughs) Crazy. So what what was some of the after effects of that accident that brought you down this bad road that you eventually went down? I didn't really feel anything and felt like I was going down a bad road. So you got I lived life, chilled, you know. Went out of Vegas, you know, lived out there off and on for a long time. I partied my ass off. We had a good time. Yeah, Vegas. Ah, I missed the Vegas. Ve- Vegas is, yeah, that's what you do when you but go But I mean, there. you leave the house at noon, start drinking, you go down to the strip, and you know, start gambling, go to the pool, go to the nightclub, eat dinner, then you go on to the after party, and it'd be fucking 11 o'clock in the morning when you go outside, and you're like, what the fuck happened to the day? <laughs> did, did the sun even go down last night? Or I know, right? I mean, one time we walked out the club, and it's like, it's still sunny outside. My friend's like, nah, it's the next day. I was just like, so, so I had a lot of fun. But it wasn't just alcohol. It was at the time. It was. Yeah. When did the other substances start to work their way in? Now I was married. Yeah. I got well, real. I hit my head running on the steps. And after that, it felt like I never really had energy anymore. And it's like, I was on, a, you know, Adderall for ADHD. I take a little more Adderall. Notice I had energy. I take a little bit more Adderall and I'm like, I'm fucking happy as shit. So, so Adderall as a, as a, this is something that I have never experienced. Yeah. yeah. New to us. Adderall as a recreational drug. I know what Adderall is mm-hmm. and I know what it's prescribed for, but I've, I, I have no governor on it because it wasn't around when I was doing anything illicit. Yeah. So what does it do to you? Like what, what does it do oh, to your body? Oh, it speeds you up. Yeah. Like your mind's like, <gasps> like you could be half asleep and taking Adderall. I used to put it under my tongue. I'm not telling anybody how to do it. But I used to put it under my tongue because it, it dissolves like that, you know. And all of a sudden, five minutes later, I'm just, you know, I'm happy. And I could be, it'd be like three o'clock in the morning. I'm outside with the wheelbarrow, you know, fucking cement. I got the desk lamp out there and I got a bunch of stones. And I'm out there, you know, making flower pots. Wife's text me, when the fuck you coming back inside the house? Neighbors driving by, I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors going to work. Yeah, so it wasn't really like, it wasn't really a big struggle where I got crazy and, you know, wanted to jump off cliffs or anything like that. Mine actually was really, really fun. But after a while, just started hearing things, seeing things, you know, started treating people differently. Did it do anything to uh, where it changed your personality to a point other than the disrupt your lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. Did it change your personality in a positive way? Because it sounded like you, you enjoyed it. It did. Yeah, it did. I mean, I was always happy. And I mean, I, I'm easy going right now, you know, being sober and clean and all that, you know, clean for five years. But it just, I don't know, it kind of gives you that mindset where it's like nothing can stop you from anything. And I could get so much done in that day. Because I, I often think about it. Cause... I'd paint the house, make fire pits, <laughs> go to the store, help the neighbor, you know, do the vinyl side and pressure wash the other neighbor's house, you know, go outside, cut the grass. You know, I'm still ready to go. But it, you, you look at how many musicians get hooked on heroin, all right? And how many, there's something about heroin that, I, I'm, I've, I was always very curious about this. Look at all the musicians that have died heroin. You know, you yeah, got Kurt Cobain, Lace tw- Daly, Shannon Hoon. <clears throat> the ones at 20s, Janis Joplin. Janis yeah. Jo- uh, well, they, Janis, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix drowned in his own vomit. So uh, John Bonham. That's crazy. Probably Jim Morrison. So, and these, these people were arguably geniuses at their craft. Yeah. 
but they they just didn't want to stop it. I just heard a story about a comedian, Mitch Hedberg. If you never, Mitch Hedberg died in Livingston, like died in St. Barnabas. Um, he was probably like other comedians look at this guy as just a genius. Yeah. And he had said something to, uh, I think it was Artie Lang. He said, he goes, I'll never stop. I don't, don't, don't try Don't waste your breath. Don't make me try to stop. I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. This that's is, crazy though. But that's what he, that's what he wanted. That's what he yeah. wanted to do. And he thought that, I think to, on some level, he believed that he was nothing without it. And, and I think that's what addiction is though. Yeah. You, it becomes part it of becomes your, personality. your personality. Yeah. Cause yeah. I had no energy. I didn't know I was depressed at the time, you know, but then I took more Adderall and it's like, I was happy. It you just, know, then I just started taking more. And, you know, I had a job at Home Depot working night, overnight at the time. And it's like when I ran out of Adderall, I'd hit up my buddy and like, hey, let me get a little Peruvian Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll definitely that'll definitely do it. So I'm if, surprised that I have a heart attack drinking monster energy drinks, you know, Adderall, yeah. cocaine. I just be in my anxiety through the roof. That was the worst part was the anxiety. But but I'm sure you get used to it because like you said, you're, you're, you're in the throes of addiction at that point. Yeah. And that's the only way you knelt, knew how to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, the co so you got into the cocaine. What, what was the, what, what was the vast difference? Was it along the same lines? You like the, the same energy? thing pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the energy. It's probably more expensive. I always was a downer fan like Xanax, you know, but then once I figured out Adderall, I'm like, I like this. I could, like I said, I'd be outside doing shit all day long and I'd accomplish two months worth of shit in eight hours. <laughs> I, I, when I was younger, I used to say to myself, like, how the hell can somebody let themselves get addicted to like heroin? Okay. Yeah. But I've never done that, but I have a lot of friends I met at rehab who did, and they said it's the best feeling they ever had. So I, I, I got a taste of it. I had shoulder surgery and I'm, I'm a police officer at the time. I got shoulder yeah. surgery and they gave me oxys. And this was back during the time you could get however many you That's wanted. That's what it leads from is oxys. Yeah. Right. And he, the doctor just kept feeding them to me and feeding yeah. them to me and, feed, and said, take them as directed and said, take every four hours. So that's what I did. Three months goes by and I'm like, I got to go back to work. Yeah. And so I got to get off this thing. And I tried, I was like, all right, I'm done. And then I tried to lay down and it felt like bugs were crawling all over me. That's crazy. It was, it was awful. It took me three days to get past that feeling. And and the only way I got through it, I think was sleeping pills. Well, that's what they say. The, the hardest drug to come off of is heroin. I think it's the most destructive yeah. drug. Like when you, when, what? How bad did it get with the Adderall and the cocaine and, and things of that nature? Um, I'd ask my parents for the credit card number to pay for a bill, and I was ordering studio accessories and microphones and computers. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> That's very common as well. I, yeah. I knew a kid that I used to try to take care of. His mother had to move. Yeah. He was hooked on heroin. His mother had to move and not tell her son where she moved to because he kept breaking into the house. And she used to have to sleep. When he did live there, she used to have to sleep on her purse. That's crazy. But, you know. See, I never did that, but I paid the bills, you know, or I needed to pay this bill or whatever. And I'd go out and buy $500 worth of shit I needed for the recording studio. Yeah. And did did you ever take money from your parents in order to buy the, Sometimes. the Adderall and the cocaine? Yeah, I'd sneak in my dad's room and grab three, four hundred dollars. I mean, it's not like I could walk in and just take twenty five, thirty. I'd go in there and hit the whole thing. Now, being so far removed, did your parents know what was up? I think they did. Yeah, but I mean, when I told them I went to rehab, they was like, <laughs> "Now, were you buying like studio equipment and selling it?" Or? No, I was buying it because, you know, I did radio for, yeah. you know, off and on for a number of years. So, you know, I was doing voiceovers. I had like an online radio station. They wasn't trying to buy me shit for it. So I, you know, bought it off their card. <laughs> well, how'd you get into it? I'll show you. You're, you're yeah. taking all this yeah. Adderall. You're doing all this cocaine. 
and you're still you're still able to perform like you you're a functioning addict at this point i was yeah a very good one because nobody did anybody around you identify what was going on i mean yeah when i was at home depot they could tell because i'd go in and work tired i unloaded trucks i was on third shift i'd go to the bathroom i'd come out 10 minutes later <laughs> <laughs> throwing boxes and truck could be unloaded in fucking 30 minutes <laughs> I don't know what this kid's on but keep give it to the rest of the yeah studio. but my boss was so cool cause he was just like I don't care what y'all do with the job if you just get the job done enjoy yourself and I mean I did over, I was the, I over was enjoyed the, yourself I was the best stalker at Home Depot I was getting award after award after award and then finally it's like when I come down off of it I wasn't worth a shit <laughs> <laughs> Now, how long did this go on for? It actually was pretty short-lived, probably like three years. Yeah, but that's long enough. It was long enough to almost, you know, create a lot of havoc in my life. Well, so at some point, everybody who's gone through the throes of addiction realizes yeah. they, they hit a wall. And I, I heard a great quote by George Carlin. George, yeah. George, Quar- George Carlin said, drugs or alcohol, pick your poison, is when you first do it, it's 99% fun. And then over, it always was. over time... That number seems to fall, mm-hmm. you know, where it's maybe 70%, 50%, 30%. And then all of a sudden it's mostly pain yeah. and very little pleasure. Then it becomes 1% fun and 99% right. heartbreak. Yeah. And it comes in different forms too. Like, do, was there any effect to your, your friends, family? I mean, not really. I mean, I was always uh, just life at a party. Hi, running around, you know, calling the neighbors at three in the morning. I got the fire pit going. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, what did they call that, that guy on Friends? Fun Bobby. Yeah. Fun Bobby. Fun Bobby until he stopped drinking. <laughs> and then he wasn't Fun Bobby anymore. Uh, I mean, it was fun, though. I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I'm off it, though. Well, what what was the choice to, to come come off of it? Well, I don't know. I just had an argument, and I was like, um... Okay, I'm tired of it. So I'm like, it maybe it's time to go get some help so the arguments will stop. And I went down there. They talked about after seven days. They said, do you want to stay for 90? It was so horrible in the situation I was at. To me, I looked at 90 days like a fucking vacation. So I was like, ching I'm going to the Marriott. You know, and then, I don't know, actually it was a lot of good for me. So, so did, did no legal trouble or anything from it? Uh, yeah, I picked up a couple charges. <laughs> <laughs> he totally glanced right over that. That's what I was just yeah. going to say. So, yeah, yeah, well, gone. you know, I got locked up one time and I figured it's time to go to rehab. Nah, I just went to rehab. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always a moment you, you, you go walk into rehab and there's always a moment inside rehab where yeah. you, you have some sort of awakening. Like it, you sober. I can tell you right now, my, my stint in rehab, I could tell you exactly when it's when I got all my clothes taken off, bend over, spread your cheeks, cough. Cough. It was so humiliating to me. I had done that yeah. a hundred times. In college. <laughs> and then a hundred more when I was a police officer. Yeah. I had done that and I never thought about it. it it's kind of like a, a doctor's bedside manner type of thing. I never thought about how humiliating it is yeah. until it was done to me. And it something snapped in me where I said, I will never come back to this place. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, ever. That's what it was for me, too. Everybody's like, how do you stay clean and stay positive? Because I went one time and I never looked back. I just stopped doing it. And I'm just like, where I was at, at the, you know, at that current moment, I never want to go back to that position again. Now, were you still, when, when you went away, you were in radio. When you got out, did you go back to doing radio? No. No, that was it? That was the end of your yeah. radio career? Why did that radio career end? Mm, the situation I was in. Yeah. Kind of, you know, uh, husbands don't work jobs like that, you know what I mean? And things of that nature. So I just was whatever. Well, do you think that's the right way to 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 treat somebody 
who's in your life. There, there, there comes a point like you can't have two dreamers in a household. Yeah. All right. If you have two dreamers in a household, you'll be broke within within six Real months. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, so somebody's always got to stay a little bit grounded. But at the same time, you have to encourage dreams because otherwise resentment comes in. Yeah. But I think the problem we had was I wasn't paying enough bills. So if I had had more money coming in, it'd been like, yeah, go out there and do your thing and this and that. But I just, I don't think it's, it's a financial thing. But isn't a problem with addiction and rehab? They want you out of the the scene you were in before? The environment. Yeah. 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 Right. They, so you take you out of your environment. So that was your environment. <clears throat> like, I'm sure you'll never work at Home Depot again. <laughs> I'll get a job if I could, but I mean, I don't want to go back to it. But see, the thing is, when you're on drugs, like, you know, how come people can't? You know how you get into relationships and they always turn out to be bad for some reason? Why can't people be transparent? Like, when I was so high, I just dreamed of that person coming to my life and say, Justin, you're really cute and I fucking love Adderall. And I'd have been like, God damn it, let's move in together. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, why can't people just be transparent like that in life? Have you never seen the movie Sid and Nancy? Actually, I have not. Okay. Watch the movie Sid and Nancy and that's why two addicts cannot live together. <laughs> Sid Vicious was uh, one of the yeah. singers for the Sex Pistols. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so uh, yeah, they, they, it didn't work out so well for them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they died on a bathroom floor, yeah. right? Yeah, so uh, that's why two addicts can't can't live together because then you become enabling. So yeah. there's that fine line you got to walk between whoever you're around or your group of whether it's your friends, your family, your spouse, whatever it may be. One has to stay somewhat grounded. Yeah, like I, I deal with this with my wife all the time. You know, she's like, oh, "I'm going out to do podcast stuff again." I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, this is this is what I love to do. I have to follow that dream." And if I and, but she's smart enough to know that if she didn't allow me to do those things, yeah, resentment would come in. I'm like, well, yeah, but I think you're right. Though now, since you said that, looking back, I think it, there was grounding going on, and I was just so high. I was looking at the other way. Yeah, you were looking at it as holding back, as as that person holding you back. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, let's let me follow my dreams. Let me do my right. shit. You don't know what's good for me. I know what's good for me. So, did you take any good lessons out of uh, rehab? Yeah, the last day I asked my counselor, how do you wake up Bill Colombo? I said, how do you wake up and not want to get high? Because that's the first thing I did. I wake up and go right for the Adderall and go get a Diet Coke. It's like, you got to find a hobby. So, you know, I'm really good friends with Zaytoven, you know. 2007, when I got fired from a station in South Carolina, I actually met like a sidekick in Humble G. And they're like, hey, we like what you're doing on the radio. You know, do you want to create a show and host? I said, sure. So I seen that he was selling the camera. No, no shit. 30 minutes after rehab, I get on Facebook because, you know, you can't really have the phone in rehab selling the camera. I said, fuck it. Let me buy it with my parents money. <laughs> Thanks, and I bought and it. Yeah. And every time I wanted to get high, I go outside and just take pictures. Like I was so bad at taking pictures. My neighbor, Jeremy Bollinger, he used to meet me at the photo shoots and he set my camera up for me and he would leave. So then when they got there, I could just snap, 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 snap. So, I mean, it really just kept me sober. You always got to fight. So an addict is always going to be an addict. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, exactly. I was just going to say now photography is his addiction. So, yeah. I wish I was high right now, but I'm not going to go back to it. But you got tired, you know, you got to find something to fill that void. Photography. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, this, this kind of fills a lot of the void. Group therapy filled a lot of the void. For oh yeah. Me. Um, but without that direct, that misdirection, you know, uh, like say you were no longer a photographer tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you would have to find something else because otherwise it's drive you right back to, to doing Adderall and doing cocaine. Probably. Yeah. So what's it about photography that keeps you sober? 
Like what is so, I don't know. What is so special I about hate photography? A photography? I never wanted to be a photographer. <laughs> never aspired to be a photographer. Yeah, I mean, it just led one thing to another. You know, I was going through divorce and I got back to Atlanta, was staying with my parents, and I told my friend uh Latasha, she had eleven and live news now as an anchor. I'm like, yo, I'm going through a rough time. I want to get out to the red carpet and take pictures to get back into entertainment. She's like, Well, come out. I came out, my pictures is horrible. And then I don't know, four years later, I'm taking picture of everybody. Yeah, you really are taking pictures. Yeah, it's of crazy. Like yeah. they're calling me left and right. Like I had the game. The rapper messaged me today, like, "Yo, your pictures is crazy," and I'm like, "And I can attest to fuck? that because I I saw it. I I'd be like, no fucking way. Come on." And he shows it to me. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It was crazy. That's wild. Made but, my day. I said, I said, follow my Instagram and let's work." <laughs> so I've seen I've seen your Instagram, Justin Case Photography. Or is it? Well, just- I, I got Justin Case K A S E photo. Ju- Justin Case photo. That's yeah. what it is. And you got uh, Kodak Black on there. Yeah. You got Ludacris. You just did RFK, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, I did Scotty ATL the other day. Yeah. Happy birthday to you too, by the way. That's the guy with the grill, right? Yes. Oh, he's one of the hottest grill makers in the scene. It's, <laughs> he makes some crazy... Scotty, hook us up and we'll wear some... Yeah. <laughs> we'll <do> some. <laughs> <laughs> suffering podcast grills. Yeah, right. Be, have them written in suffering that, podcast. That TSP, would, right? <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> I see another Instagram live. Yeah, right. With, right. with just some grills on there. But these these guys, they come to you, and do you ever get a little starstruck? No. no what, what keeps when you- I was in high school in 1996, I went to an NBA game with my dad, the Hawks. I seen the little kids running around the court. I finally asked, you know, the usher, he was an older guy. I said, what's the little kid doing right there? He's like, oh, he's a Bobway. He gets him like water towels, make the Gatorade, gets the jerseys during the game. And I'm like, how did I get the job? So he told me to call to the office. I kept calling up there and the receptionist would never give me the contact to the guy. Finally, I called enough. She's like, look, this is direct number. Peeper Duva looks. I kept calling him, calling him. This back in the day, there's no email. So I had to send letters. I sent him the same letter every day for like six months. He finally called me on the phone, said, shut the fuck up. I got your letter. Show up to this arena that, you know, because they practice out of Georgia Tech. You know, I need to know what size shoes you wear, what size jersey you wear, and all this. How the job is a Bobway. So, you know, I started hanging out. The first couple of games, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I'm on the court with Michael Jordan. And after that, I just, you know, realized, like, they're just regular people like me. Yeah. Only they're That's seven cool, feet tall. Yeah, but you know what's funny? Every time before I go to a red carpet to shoot pictures, I get a lot of anxiety. Why? I have no idea. Does, I get do you, anxious. Do you think it has something to do with the thought of failure? Like my pictures aren't going to come out this good? No, not really. Because, I mean, I got a lot more I want to do and, you know, perfect with photography. I know my pictures is good and they get picked up in People Magazine and all that shit, you know. Shout out to Shutterstock, you know, because I'm signed to them. But, um. I don't know. It's an anxiety. I don't know what the anxiety yeah. is. I can't figure it out. Like, I was telling my friend the other day, I'm like, I got a red carpet tonight, and I'm anxious as fuck. Now, once you get there, does that anxiety disappear, or does it take some time? It disappears. Once yeah. you get into your groove. Yeah, but I mean, it's just weird. Like, who would ever thought I get anxious before a red carpet? Mike, do you ever get anxious before the cameras go on? You know, I was just thinking the same, I was just thinking the same thing. I don't think so. I, I get a so. little, but, but see, <laughs> when, I don't know if it's anxiety. It's just like... Maybe it is a, a little bit of anxiety. But it might be just like a power surge. Yeah. Where you just like, you know, kind of get, I don't know what it is. It's weird. I mean, you see me pre-show here. And that's yeah. that's like a normal pre-show where I'm running around doing all sorts of different stuff, making sure things are set up the way that I want them set up, you know, write my notes, do all that stuff. Yeah. See, and, I, I get anxiety. It's like, I want the show to start. 
you know, we come here, we have pre-production meetings and everything, but it's, but it's like, you know, let's go. Yeah. Let, let's get this thing going. You know, I want. There's a lot of pre-production you did too. And actually it was pretty cool to watch you guys run around. Like I, I never thought that you'd write on cups before the show. Hey, it's just something funny. And I mean, I know you laughing and smiling now, but like, you're, I know you're not the type to smile, but I just love your cup because it says smile. That's it. That's it. <laughs> what about my cup? I mean, yeah, I, I like it. I fly, eagles fly. I don't like your cup at all. So smile. That's mine right there. So Hustle smile. hard. So <laughs> smile, everybody. But you know, so the, it's, that, it's that feeling of anticipation that breeds that anxiety for me. That might and be what it is for me, too. For me, when the, when the lights and cameras go on and Andrew says... Three, two, one, and he'll he'll do his little hand gestures. I I swear to you, it's just like, oh, okay, now we're going. I think yeah, you hit the nail yeah, on the yeah. head. I think it's more anticipation and anxiety. Yeah. You know, you want to get it started. Yeah. You know, you may get to the red carpet and you're like, when are the people gonna get here? Now you, mm-hmm. you're jockeying for position, I'm sure, with other photographers. Make me want to go for a Kalana pen to chill after, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe it is the anticipation yeah. that gives you anxiety. But it it's um, it's a good feeling. It, it kind of keeps your edge. Yeah, but people ask me all the time, like, who's the favorite person you've ever shot pictures for? And I'm like, they're all my favorite because they could have called anybody else in Atlanta, you know, to take the picture. And they called me. You know, that's a funny. So they're all my favorite. That's a funny concept that you that you just brought up. They're all your favorite because you're showing gratitude. Yeah. You have come from rehab to the red carpet. Exactly. You know, I really and, have. and what that does, that journey teaches you gratitude. Mike and uh, Mike and I have taken a journey from probably the lowest depths that human beings can have yeah. to being where we are now. And we're, let's be very clear. <laughs> we are not there. We are not there. I think you guys are there. We're not there. We're always works in progress. I mean, same with me in yeah. photography. But it's that journey that get that mess that gets you to that message. Yeah. Um, where you went from rehab to the red carpet, we went, well, we, we went from group therapy to a podcast. (laughs) We we went from a basement to a studio. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's cool though. I mean, you had to start somewhere. Right. Like my picture, I look back now, they were good pictures, but I mean, they're not what they are now. You know, when we, when we started in, in, in the basement doing just audio and stuff, it was, uh, I miss it because it was much more passion driven. Yeah. Uh, now, now there's, you know, there's, there's all this stuff going on here. So it's, it's a little, yeah, it's a little different, but I still get the same joy of sitting down there and, and hearing from you what yeah. you did and how you overcame all that stuff and why you overcame all that stuff and where you are now. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's like the highlight of my week, Wednesday nights. I know, you know, we're ready to yeah, go. Yeah, but it's cool. Cause you get to sit down and talk to a lot of people and like learn where they come from. D- different walks of life. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen a podcast he did and. I don't know if they asked you questions or if you just talked for the whole hour, but I was like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so Mike and I did a show down in Florida and it was a three hour podcast. Was it? Yeah, that was brutal. You don't think. Thank God the guy was feeding me vodka. (laughs) (laughs) You don't think. a glass like this. I love vodka. Perfect. I I have done manual labor (laughs) most of my life and I'll go home and yeah, I'll be tired, but I'll have plenty of energy to do whatever I need to do. We got out of that three hour podcast. It's just like, oh my God. We right. Went, we went to dinner. Yeah, we were just like, let's go home. Let's right. go home. I just, I just. Well, when we used to do the double shows, the back to back shows oh, in the yeah. basement, we get tired. It's, it's, it's it exhausting. It's draining. So when you, you, find, when you're on the red carpet, and I don't know, how long do you usually stay on a red carpet shooting photographs? I get in and I get out. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you just get them coming in or do you wait for after? It, I, or I, do, you I do, go do the arrival. This? They call it the arrival. It's like, you know, they're coming in like the BT <clears throat> Hip Hop Wars, but they all come in, show off the outfit. 
How but see, at the get, BET Hip Hop, we, we didn't get an invite to the BET Hip Hop Awards. It's hard enough for me to get in. <laughs> I don't think. But we I say it. it's fun though because I actually get passes to go in and watch the show and take picture of the award winners and the performers. And it's like I never did that till last year, and I was just like, oh, "This is fucking awesome." That, that's what I was getting at. Do you actually get to go into the shows too, or are you just? A I did the BET Hip Hop Awards. <laughs> oh, that's cool. They did another one, uh, Black and Iconic. It was a LGBTQ, you know, like sorcery, however you say that word. A gala, and it was really fun. And you ever, you ever get tired after doing after shooting for so long? Yeah, because I get to the red carpet at BT Hip Hop Awards. I don't know, maybe two o'clock in the afternoon. The red carpet starts at four thirty, doesn't end at seven o'clock. Then you got to go in and shoot the show and take picture, and that's another three four hours because you got to stop. You know, people go use the bathroom, come back. You know, because they got to change the stage and all that. But I mean, yeah, I leave there and I'm like. Oh. And I got to go home and I got to go through all the pictures. You now you look under a picture and it says like, you know, the photographer, what's going on in the picture, where they're at. It's called metadata. So I have to sit there, clean up the picture and I have to go through and do all the metadata. It takes, I go to bed like two o'clock in the morning. On thousands yeah, of yeah. pictures probably. Oh yeah, I think I took 8,000 pictures at the last BET of wow, Upwards. holy cow. Now those- A lot. Of, I, I love it though. So I like the adrenaline rush on the red carpet because, you know, it's like this. It's really fast paced. Everybody's in a good mood, you know, taking pictures and- fun well you have you have celebrities looking at you because while they are famous yeah. you're the guy who makes them famous yeah yeah but you know what's weird like i control their image like it's so easy to upload a picture of them looking bad and get picked up in a magazine but i'm not that type i was gonna say did anybody ever get pissed off at you no i actually will message a celebrity like hey i'm posting this to instagram is that cool and they're like yeah right. like i did a red carpet event and i actually was friends with the lady you know Phaedra Parks, you know, she was a housewife. And I'm like, these are the pictures I got right here. Which ones do you want me to upload? And she appreciates like, thank you. You're the only one who does that. But that's so the, our path here. We, we've had people in here where we we know we might know a little bit about them. That yeah. is not favorable. You so just full transparency. You know, we ask the guest, is there anything you want us to steer clear of? Because we're not here to make anybody look bad. Yeah, it's it's listen, that's that's easy. That's cheap. But Mike and I made that decision a long time ago. Yeah. You know, we are not here for that because your show's not going to last very long. Your photography yeah. career is not going to last very long if all you're doing is because they're going to see you and they're going to shy away from you. Yeah. If, if you're That's a good thing. Though. Like I take good pictures of them. So if you take good pictures of them and they know it, like they will give you rope, good poses. Because you can see they'll go past other photographers and they're just like, and they'll come by me and. But you, you know, that's the difference between you and like the paparazzi then, right? I pa paparazzi, the, the paparazzi is looking, assholes. they're looking for the real shit shots of these people to make them look bad coming out of a bar drunk and all that stuff. Yeah. But you know what? There's sometimes I will get a text like, Hey, meet me here at two o'clock in the morning. I'll be getting out the car to go perform. And I, yeah, yeah. I mean, so some of that stuff, you know, they want you to yeah. come out and catch them like that. Yeah. But they want a guy like you, not someone who's going to catch them stumbling off a curb. And Yeah. Like the guy who went up to Connie's West house at like three o'clock in the morning, get him jumping in the car and Connie's out there. You fucking prick. What the fuck is it? I don't blame Connie. I'm at the house. Why are you on my property trying to get a picture of me yeah. taking out the trash at two, three in the morning, getting yeah. in there like. I think I think there's assholes. I think yeah. it's unethical. Yeah, what that's I what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. people ask me that all the time. Like, are you paparazzi? No, like I take picture of them on a red carpet. Right, and that's where you want to stay too. Yeah, like, the paparazzi yeah. are probably people who are trying to get to where you are. You just 
we're able to skip that step, I guess. I guess yeah, so, but I just, so I don't I don't know the world of photography. Is paparazzi yeah. like the minor leagues and then they try to make it to the major leagues? Uh, some of them make a lot of money doing it from what I hear. Pa- uh, paparazzi is the ones that stand in front of the clubs and like, you know, wait for them to Los come Angeles out. Angeles and Beverly Hills waiting for these people to come out drunk, take pictures of yeah, them. Yeah, Kim and then Kardashian's they eating dinner. So someone tipped my, hey, Kim Kardashian's in there. So they're all going to drive there, just wait for her to come out. That's crazy. I, I think, I, I like you said, una- unethical. I, I just, I don't, so some of these, some of these celebrities, they bring it on themselves. Yeah. Uh, but then there's some of them. I don't see it much. It's like once a year I get a text. Yeah. You, but some of the celebrities, well, they bring it on themselves by their, their fame. Like Kim Kardashian, let's, let's be very honest. Yeah. She's famous because she went down on, what was it? Ray J. <laughs> I mean, they're, but that's the whole reason she's famous. She's not famous because her father was OJ's lawyer. Yeah. She's famous because she was in a porn. Paris Hilton, famous. She's not famous for Hilton Hilton hotels. Yeah. But again, all the all these people like that, they're they're glory mongers. They want their picture to be out there. Correct. Yeah. You know, they probably get the bad picture and they'll go in the media and say, I can't believe this photographer took a picture of them. But their stock just went up a thousand percent because well, yeah. a lot of that came from the Pamela and Tommy Lee. Yep. Video. video. I remember that, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, that, and then you saw it was it on the boat, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was stolen. Uh, from what I heard, it was on a boat. I've my never, mom I've asked me. My mom asked me like a month video ago. Video in it. <laughs> it's like it's like a month ago. We're in the car. My mom, my niece, and nephew. They're trying to pick out a you know a movie to watch. When we got back to my parents, I looked at my mom and I go, "What about Debbie Does Dallas?" <laughs> <laughs> my mom about drove the car off the road. I'd never seen her laugh so hard. But I'm glad she caught the humor. So, so let's <laughs> step back in time for a moment. Yeah, you, you go away to rehab. Your parents, who sound like really wonderful people, they supported me the whole way. Yeah, well, like what was what was that conversation like when you say, "Hey, listen, I got to go take care of this issue." I got. my dad's like, "Fuck it, find a rehab." Man, you lucky son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no all gotta, that's all I gotta say. You lucky son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, uh, he didn't say it like that, but I mean, that's the attitude. Like, go find a place. You know why? Because you're their little boy. Yeah, you'll always be their little boy. Just yeah. like your sister will always be their little girl. Oh, and before I checked in, I made sure I got high. Yeah, I'm like I'm getting high one more showed time. Up high oh, as hell. oh yeah, I showed up and <laughs> <laughs> like Jim Carrey. Yeah, I did. What's wrong with you? Nothing. He's, yeah, he's I'm fine. <laughs> but they know. Yeah, yeah, they know. They go through all your shit. And... I had a roommate, and he used to just get up out of nowhere and start fucking cleaning the apartment and rehab. He'd be like, hey, there's trash here, there's trash there, just smiling away. You didn't well, go to Princeton House, too. No, no, that was, I, I that went to Ridgeview. Thing. That was my thing. No, nah, but it was funny because we, he got kicked out. We finally figured out why he's so, so happy. Is we used to go take little walks mm. to the woods and, you know, through the campus of Ridgeview. He would take a walk down to the liquor store and get some boxed wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a guy come in rehab so drunk, it took him three days to get the, you could smell it coming out of his room. Mm. It was so bad. I mean, he hit it hard the night before they, he went in. And they had him on, I think they had him on 3.5 milligrams of Klonopin. That's a lot. Yeah, that's you a stay, lot. You stay I take a, cor- a quarter of Klonopin as needed, you know. I used to take 0.5s and, and that would bring me down yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So 3.5, this guy was on and he's like, he was a zombie. Yeah, but he probably needed because he's probably coming in and going. Oh, he just, he's. Stu- he oh my God, you ever see him just shake? Or you see the people that come into rehab with heroin and it just. You're throwing up for three days straight. I'm like, yeah. oh my god! Heroin detox is supposed to be absolutely yeah. awful. You're violently yeah. ill, they say. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have experience with it, thankfully. Yeah, but I got two, two kids that you know, and I, I, I'm pretty real with my kids on 
this stuff. Like I, I tell my kids this. So your father has an addictive personality. And that's kind of where I leave it. They're too yeah. young to really know. Your father has an addictive personality. You have alcoholism running rampant throughout your entire family tree. Be careful what you do because it could lead to this. Like yeah. I, I can't have a drink anymore. I know I can't have a drink. I can, but I know it's going to lead down the path. You ain't going to be able to stop. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll just keep going because I'm. Yeah. But I mean, that's where it gets idiot. fun. See, my, <laughs> my, my father used to take me and my brother to New York City all the time. Right. We'd go out to restaurants and everything, but we'd walk up and down the street and he'd just say, look at that guy. That's what alcohol do to you. You know, look at that guy over there. That's what drugs will do to you. Talking, talking back to New York City, when I lived in Tom's River with my aunt and uncle, I met a friend. She worked at MTV. I ended up moving in with her on 42nd A Street, you know, in uh, the village. Yeah. And as I rode the train one time. I'm like, fuck the train. It was cool, whatever. But I literally walked from 42nd and 8th. No, 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 no. Where was I at? St. Mark's in second. I'd walk all the way to 42nd, you know, down there in Times Square. Times Square yeah. yeah, but I used to walk from the village all the way to Times Square, but I'd always stop and get me a bottle of champagne. <laughs> so I was walking on the street. Hey, Justin, everybody's talking my name and everybody say, why do you walk everywhere? I say, because I want to fucking explore. Like, I remember just meeting random people and going to meatpacking district at, like, Club Quo and just getting smashed. I had so much fun. Hogs and Heifers, meatpacking district. Oh, I haven't been there in years, but I just, that was like the hang on New York. And I, it was a cool experience. I'm glad I experienced it. So something must have struck you in rehab for you wanted to want to get into addiction counseling. Yeah. What 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 is the draw to addiction counseling? And I know I, it's I common. like people. Yeah. Because a lot of people are scared to get help. So just like, you know, I think it'd be cool, you know, they come out of rehab. I even started a nonprofit called Addicts with Voice. And basically what I want to do is get money, help them get the rehab, help them get therapy, maybe put them in a sober living. I mean, I got 5,000 uh, fentanyl test strips at the house. So when I team up with other people in Atlanta and we do like events, give out food to the homeless, you know, if someone's needing some help, I'm not promoting drug use, but I mean, at least they do it. They could be safe. Well, that was the big draw when we, we were kids. If you did a drug... There was very little danger that you were going to die. The fentanyl, the fentanyl overdoses are. Just oh, you get some room. cocaine when I did it. And it was pure. Now you get it. It's all kind of shit in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, that's crazy. Laxatives yeah. and baby formula. That's, <laughs> so my, you know, it's funny because I, I was just in a supermarket with my fourteen-year-old the other day, and, and he said, "Why is the baby formula behind glass?" Yeah. And I yeah. said, "Well, this is exactly why because people will take it and use it to cut heroin, and and that's it. There's two people who steal baby formula. Those that are." just poor and they can't yeah. afford to feed their family, which is very sad. But then there are the, the, the addicts who are just looking to cut it and sell it. And so they can have enough. I watched a friend when I lived in Vegas, I'm not going to say his name, but he, he did meth here and there. I watched him make something called shake and bake. He take battery strips and put this in there and put that in there. And like a two liter bottle, he would close it and he would shake it like this and poke a hole in the top. And it just for like an hour. And then it was like that. That's all they did. And it was meth. Oh, they'd inhale it? No, it was like meth. And he had a like, I don't know, there's something else you did and kind of make, come into like a powder. But I'm just like. And oh. then they'd be around the house. Just, it's poof. aluminum. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Put yeah. I watched Breaking And they called it Shake and Bake. It was, the, I mean, I just watched the whole process. I'm like, that is crazy. Well, what about those people like huffing paint? Oh, yeah. They got yeah, the, 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 the socks. I knew, I knew a guy. Yeah. His, his dad was a pilot, but he used to huff paint. He actually died from it. He used to put a bag over his head and just. <gasps> yeah, they, they. Well, that's that's the the big joke is yeah. they come up. They always buy gold or silver. Yeah, gold yeah. or silver, right? It's always gold or silver paint, and they'll put it over. And Did you ever do whippets where you crack the CO two cartridge and? 
I worked in the high school and we used to go into the art department and they had the airbrush cans. Yeah. That, that was better than whippets. Yeah, but I mean, it was like a whippet. Your brain for like 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you, you used to you used to do it, and then you talk like because it would freeze your vocal cords. Yeah, and, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very dangerous. Shout out to Freeze, Dixie State College. Freezing your freezing your brain's a lot of fun. <laughs> I got so drunk. I went to college in St. George, Utah, called Dixie State College. I got so drunk. My aunt's house. She dropped me off, and it was like four buildings. They called the Nissan Towers. I was so drunk right in front of the tower because you know it kind of went down a little bit. Where's the rampway? You know, down the hill. I was so drunk. I, I went out there. I guess I sat on the fucking side just talking to friends. I woke up. It's like noon. And I'm out there just laying on the concrete. Just, how the fuck did I get here? And everybody's walking by just laughing at me. And I pretty much got kicked out of school. Well, hey, listen. I got arrested. They got me for voice altering machines because I had to, we used to like prank call everybody in town. And, <laughs> you know, they pick up the phone and be like, hey, how you doing type of shit, you know? Then they got us for explosive devices on campus, which was cherry bombs. Wow. So, I mean, it was a whole, you Someone know. Someone had it out for you. Yeah, it was like, what's the policeman? And it sounds like he was out for my dad, my uncle, my cousin. So I guess, he, you know, he arrested me, was happy. But, I mean, stupid shit. You know, burglatory tools. It was a spark plug because I needed to change the spark plug in my fucking Acura Integra. <laughs> oh, they just threw everything at the wall trying to get something shit. to stick. Yeah. yeah, and the judge looked at it and he was just like, get out of the court. But your your story is is altering. You didn't give us a, a, a. Do you have anywhere we can go where we can check out Addicts with a Voice? Yeah, go to my Instagram, Addicts with Voice. You know. Okay. I also have a uh, website. It's not done, but it's addictswithvoice.org. Well, we'll put a lower third up because this by the time this airs, hopefully that website will be done. It should be. Yeah, and then we'll get on that. But your story is incredibly inspiring. That you're making a documentary about your life. Yeah, I met this guy because I went to get a hoodie pressed up. And then I went in there for another hoodie. And he was like, I look at your Instagram. I'd seen some of your story. And he's like, I want to do a documentary about you. He's like, what would you like to call? And I said, rehab to the red carpet. Because I thought it fit. Because I really went from rehab to the red carpet. It's an amazing journey you have. And, and you, you gave us a clip. Yeah. Right? Hey, Andrew, you want to play that clip for us? It's crazy how life changes before your eyes, especially my eyes. Uh, my rock bottom was um, during cocaine and Adderall. I, I went to rehab September 25th, 2017. So it was around 2016 to 2017. It really amped up. Last day of rehab, I asked my counselor, I said, what I gotta do so I don't wake up and want to you know, hit a line of cocaine and pop a Adderall. He said, you gotta, you know, find a hobby. I want people to see the action, you know, the movement, what's going on. I want to take them to the red carpet. And I just want people to see like what goes on through my eyes, you know? I fish it, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I come out I come out with a whole different mindset. I don't come out just to take pictures. I come out because I, I want motherfuckers out there to see what's really going on. <laughs> I have been knowing Justin for a little bit of a few years now, about four, about four years now, and we're good friends. Um, he do a lot of uh, photography work for the community, and I love how he tells stories through his lenses. The meaning behind it and convey it in such a way that the power of that photo uh, resonates with so many people. You know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, but one of Justin's pictures is worth 5,000 words. I want people to remember is he a dope-ass photographer that got out there, stood up for what he thought, you know, thought was right, and he got out there and made it happen. We saw you walk, 
This is my life. Rehab to the red carpet. That looks pretty cool. That, yeah, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm looking for investors. All, all the best. All the best with that. I need That's... investors and sponsors bad. Well, we got to get this. We got to get our podcast out there, and maybe we could be sponsored the 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 whole thing. So, that'd be you know, awesome. One though. hand washes the other. No, that'd be awesome. When, it, when you have your red carpet premiere, yeah, you know, me and Kevin <laughs> sitting at a table doing a, pod, a live podcast. Hey, you know what? We I tell him I want guys in. I tell him I want to do a premiere for it. That'd be dope. Yeah, come out there and do a podcast while we do the red carpet. That'd be badass. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't well, it? Where the, why the fuck I didn't think of that a while ago? <laughs> because you're not smart. You're not smart like me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that. you want to inspire people. You went through, yeah. you went through a little difficult times. Yeah. You know, you had your fun. I don't. You had your fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. But you also knew when it was time to stop. Yeah. Before it got too bad. Which is... I think mine mine was an addiction, but I think I caught it before I hit the really addiction where things were just going to be like... Well, you, you I, know, I think you got it before, right before it became so out of control that you weren't going to be able to control it. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. think I caught it right in time. Yeah. So I'm looking Because if not, I'd probably be sitting there on the side of the street. Still doing it. Yeah. Or dead. Having fun, but you know, yeah, I probably would have been dead from a heart attack. So is there is there anywhere we can go or we can send our audience to to take a look at this trailer? Is it up anywhere? Is yeah, it- go to my Instagram, Justin K A S E photo. And it's the first pinned video on there. Yeah, we got to. I want to go. I want everybody to go check that out because this is a story. This is not a gloom and doom story. No, it's, is, you know, no. I was just thinking, it's not one of those where we walk, we're driving home going like, because we, our drive home is like all about decompression. You know? Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. Like, geez, what did we But do I mean, you talk this about a feel good story. Yeah, you talk about what happened early childhood. You talk about radio days. You know, you kind of get into a relationship I had just to touch it just a little bit, you know, because I don't like to talk about that, you know? And you just lead into, you know, addiction. And then really is focused kind of, you know, how I went from rehab to the red carpet. I want to inspire people because, like I said earlier, people are so scared to get help. Like, it's cool to get help. Like, I mean, I really didn't want to get help because I was enjoying myself, but I had to get help. Yeah, well, you realize it was time to get help. And sometimes people don't realize when it's time to get help. Yeah, but I mean, it's too late. Life, I mean, I know life is boring a little bit at times because I'm not high and zooming around. But I mean, a lot of people don't understand that you could go to rehab. You could get your life back together. And my life's like four times better than it was before. But your form of addiction is is more uh, palatable to most of the world. I mean, we've had people in here that have that have lived on the streets in the worst cities yeah. in the country where, you know, they were the people that were getting stepped over living, sleeping on the streets. I'm you, lucky I never went to that. But your addiction, you got to understand something. Your addiction is is more palatable to the rest of the world because it's kind of where you're the, the most addicts live. Yeah. Just because you're not living on the streets doesn't mean you're not addicted to one thing or another. Some Everybody's addicted. addicted to something. Masturbation, sure. gambling, shopping. Yeah, I got to go to rehab for that. Yeah. Ah! Definitely not shopping. <laughs> but not I mean, a- it's cool though. If you got to go get help, like get help. Like it's cool, you know? And there's nothing wrong with it. There's like, nothing wrong with it. I know it's a scary thing. You sc- I, Like I said, I got high before I went in there. Somebody asked me, uh, one of the other football coaches asked me like, How'd you quit drinking? I said, I went to rehab. I had to get naked and bend over and spread my cheeks. That'll fucking sober you up real quick. <laughs> I said, trust me, stop before you get to that point. I know, you, I know you can't drink, but do you ever just sit around and you're having like a fun day and you're like, it'd be so nice just to drink a beer right now? No, because I remember tomorrow. Okay. All right. So I take that lesson from 
the Atlanta Hawks o- owner, Jesse Itzler. Nice. Jesse Itzler preaches this concept called remember tomorrow. Like you can do whatever you want to do today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you better remember tomorrow. Yeah. And I, t- I teach this to my kids. Um, you want to go out and get shit face drunk, but remember tomorrow when you got to wake up and perform all your other duties and right. go to school and you got go a wicked work. hangover, you want to go out and get all banged up on drugs. That's, you know, nobody's, nobody's really going to stop you if you want to do it. Yeah. But you better remember tomorrow where it's, you know, maybe tomorrow leads into another day of, of drug use and another day and another day. Yeah. So I, I, I live by that. It's, it's much the same reason that, um, so I'm gluten free. Okay. Right? And why am I gluten free? Cause it, it, just destroyed my my stomach. Yeah, like my, just the worst stomach in the world. So I can eat gluten now, but I be, I better remember tomorrow, and I'm going to pay the price for it. Yeah. I can go out and drink right now, just like you can go out and do Adderall and cocaine. Yeah, but you remember tomorrow. So if you did Adderall and cocaine, would you have be would you be as successful of a photographer? Have that eye because it's you think your 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 thought process is clear yeah under that stuff but it's really not i mean with photography i could get a whole lot more shoots done in a day but i think <laughs> i think when it came down to the overall job it'd probably be poor but it's quantity not quality yeah you're you're you're, you're producing quality not quality yeah because i mean i could photograph the whole town if i was high <laughs> i probably could make twenty thousand dollars in a day if i was high but i mean walking down the streets of atlanta taking pictures of everybody yeah but i mean i think it just the Smile. quality would be horrible right so you're a better person because you're sober and you're like a better seems, photographer because you're sober. Yeah. And your life seems to be going in such a great direction that I, I cannot like you're already there. I've I've Yeah, but I got a done. lot of grown. Like you said with the podcast, you got a lot of grown to do. I do too. I don't want to be the best photographer. I just want to be a photographer that everybody remembers, you know, at the end of the day, like he fought because I get out NAACP and get out Al Sharpton, Ben Crump and take pictures and when they have injustice shooting by the police and stuff like that. You know, and I take pictures, which is hard because you got to pull away the emotions and the stories you hear are sad. So it's like, I just want people to look at me and be like, he was a dope photographer and he stood up and thought, you know, fought for what was right. Yeah. And you Go you did what you believed was right. <clears throat> yeah. So before we, we're, we're, we are coming to this end, the end of this thing, I want you to throw out all those plugs one more time. Of course, your documentary, yeah. we have to the red carpet, uh, just in case photo on yeah. Instagram. Uh, artistswithvoices.org addictswithvoice.org addicts, addicts. yeah matter of fact artists. I don't know if you could zoom in but addictswithvoice.org Addict. you can find me on Instagram addictswithvoice Instagram Justin K-A-S-E photo so yeah so you're you're everywhere and and yeah. like I said check out his Instagram because first time I saw it I was like wow this is this is this is a nice job I appreciate it and thank you for you know having me come up from Atlanta do the podcast oh we're overly really appreciative man. number one I'm excited to be here but number two I ain't seen Jersey in a couple years and Jersey always had a special place in my heart my dad brought us up here so much when I was younger I've always had nothing but fun up here well next time you come up do not bring this cold weather yeah, exactly. Because we, we don't even like this cold weather up here. Sucks. Uh, it's like 11 It was like 11 there. degrees this morning, went out for a cigarette, came back out maybe two, three hours later. It was 22 and it felt like springtime. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I could take off the hoodie and the beanie. <laughs> Down in Atlanta, what's that, Buckhead? Yeah. We'll get that Buckhead. There's a lot of nice Buckhead used there. to have a lot of party spots when I was in high school. They had a whole strip of number clubs. We used yeah. to go in there. I actually used to go in there. I met, uh, worked in the mall. Selling cell phones. I forget the company. is like mobile something, mobile communications. I sold the sidekick to Mike Vick. He was so cool. I'm like, hey, you dope and this and that. He invited us out to the club. So Mike Vick former, got it. Former Eagle? Yeah, yeah, but he got us into this club numerous times. 
I had so much fun. And I mean, we'd be like, what, 18? Fucked up, hanging out with Mike Vick, going back to school. What'd you do last night? Well, you know, I had a basketball game and did this. What'd you do? I went out to the club with Mike Vick. <laughs> so when I was in high school, I was hanging out at the radio station. I go to the morning show, hang out Ryan Cameron, you know, Emperor Cersei, you know, K-Sly, whoever is working at the time, hang out with them. Then I'd get done and I'd go to high school. When I was done with high school, go home, do my homework. I'd go to the Hawks game. That was a fun job. Make them Gatorade, get them towels. Sometimes I pass out the paycheck. I did open up one time and I said, damn, 15000 for this shit? I was like, <laughs> fuck, that's got to be nice. You know, and they'd autograph your shoes after the game. You know, I do like drills, one one on one bass. I play one on one with Michael Jordan one time, just warming drills. It was such a fun experience. See, if I had to play one on one with Michael Jordan, the only way I'm doing anything is if I kick him in the balls and then go shoot the I'd shoot the bass. Yeah, if there's one thing I regret in life, it's telling this cheerleader Wendy that I wanted to fuck the shit out of her. Because <laughs> as soon as I said that, I lost yeah. my NBA job. <laughs> So as I said before, there's two, there's two things I want to end with. Cause as I said before, your, your form of addiction is kind of where most of America, most of the world sits. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, you're not too far over the line, but you're also not clean and sober as well. Being sober for five years, as long as you have been and where you're the direction of your life right now, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's sort of sitting where you were? I mean, you got to figure out, you want to help, you don't want my help. Because either way, you're going to go to jail, you're going to end up in the casket, or you're going to move on and get better in life. One of the three is going to happen. I don't want to end up in a box, you know? So you just have to figure out, like, what you want in life. Like, or, it's or jail, for that matter. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a scary process. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, go to rehab. Like, I mean, for me, it was vacation where I was coming from. I really looked at it like vacation. I don't look at it like rehab. I'm like 90 days away from the house. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Can I do like 180? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just one of them things that you just have to sit down and think. Even if you feel like you don't got to go, just go check in. Fuck it. Get it over with. Yeah, it's it's not as bad. And, you know, it, you do get benefits out of it. You I had so much fun in rehab. The girls would come up because we're on the bottom floor of the guys and the top was the girls. And, you know, we'd call them and say, hey, we going out to smoke a cigarette. And you look up in the window and they're up there, you know, doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun in rehab. And I learned a lot about myself, what I need and what I don't need. So my check-in for rehab is in. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said, this we end every show the same way. You know, if you've gone through this life. And you've gone through your addictions and you've suffered a little bit with your addictions. And if it hasn't taught you anything, then it's a really wasted experience. Yeah. What do you think your suffering has taught you? I don't want to go back to where I was. It taught me that I could have died from a heart attack, you know, wasted a lot of valuable time while having fun. I don't know. I think you're in a much better place right now. I mean, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. That's what fuels me is I don't want to go back to where I was. And I hope you never do. And if you ever do, ever plan on doing that, give me a call first. Yeah, can I, there's a misconception too, because there's a lot of people out there, you know what I'm talking about, who's recovering addicts. They say, well, you almost killed yourself, or I did this, or I did that. My addiction is worse than yours. It doesn't matter. Addiction is an addiction. It don't matter if you didn't fall out, whatever, you having fun. Addiction is addiction. We, we, we learn all the time not to fight, especially on this show. We do not fight for trauma trophies. That's, that's the way to put it. Like, it doesn't matter who has the most glorious story. Like, we are addicted to some shit. Exactly. Yeah. Justin, I cannot thank you enough for coming all this way, sitting down with us. You have an amazing story. I know your documentary is going to make it. Oh, yeah. And I know, it's gonna, I know you're just going to keep going with your, fo- your photographs. And I know we're making it for the premiere. 
We're, yeah, we're, and you guys are going to do a podcast. Yeah. We're going to do a podcast. podcast. The movie's going to be going in the background, and you guys are going to be over here interviewing you know, the, all the people coming through. We're going to do <laughs> we're going to do your voiceover for the opening and closing. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> but I want to say thank you so much for having me come. This is a lot of fun. I love the podcast. Oh, I've wow. listened to your stuff, and you guys are doing an amazing job. Keep going. Thank you, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. Anytime. It means a lot coming from you. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Rehab to the Red Carpet with Justin Case. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned. Addiction makes you feel like you're nothing without it. Wake up and find a reason not to get high. Get into your groove and anxiety disappears. But most importantly, don't be scared to get help. True. You can't be. And that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to follow us on all social media. That's LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Clapper. OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> right. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And, of course, follow the Suffering Cop podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode.